DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. It's always good to be here. I'm so happy that we're able to continue exploring all the different aspects of the struggles that we may encounter in the spiritual life. It seems as though we've touched upon so many already, but really, it these are just aspects. There can be so many more, can't there, given that we're all so unique. But it's important that we get a sense, anyway, of just some of the dimensions we may share. Yeah, everybody will experience both spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation with individual nuances, sure. But there's enough commonality so that someone like St. Ignatius can describe these in a way that everybody recognizes. And maybe that's a good lead-in to look at a final experience of spiritual desolation as Ignatius describes it. And to explore this, we're going to return to Kathy. Now, we saw her a few episodes ago. She had, with great interest and desire, signed up for the six weeks of prayer in the parish. And they'd been taught how to pray with Scripture. She'd been doing this, and she loved it. There was warm spiritual consolation until she got to the fifth week when things changed dramatically. So when Jesus asks the terrified disciples in the boat, why are you afraid? This touches a deep place in her heart 10 years earlier where she had a cancer that meant she'd never have children. And this place is, which she'd sort of sealed off in her her heart in a certain way, is touched now. And there's an eruption of anger and pain And we witness her now just two weeks later. So this is one week after the six weeks have concluded. And she writes in her journal, I have stopped praying. They had a final meeting in the parish when the six weeks of prayer ended. I didn't go. I'm still angry and I still hurt. It would have been better never to begin the six weeks. Three days later, all that closeness and warmth of God's love, it's gone like smoke. Maybe it was just feelings and never real. I'm sitting in the kitchen as I write, and I feel like I'm here, and God is a million miles away. Now, again with reverence, because we're on holy ground here, this is the experience that Ignatius will highlight, that sense that with a sort of heaviness and a sense of loneliness and isolation, here I sit at my desk or alone in the living room or driving to pick up the children, or commuting back from work, even sitting in church trying to pray, and the feeling is, I'm here, and you, Lord, are a million miles away. And that's what Kathy is experiencing here. The following day, I looked again at what I wrote on week six, the last day I prayed. This was my final sentence. I need to speak with someone who can help me make sense out of this. And there your heart lives, because this is going to be the tipping point. Something in me both wants that and rebels against it. Two days later, she writes, Just before I stopped praying, I also wrote this. 
As I sit here in my room, I don't feel his closeness. I don't feel his love. He feels distant, like I'm here and he is far away. All of that remains true, except that it's increased. I feel alone, 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 and I hurt. A week later, she gets up her courage, and she sends an email to Father Reed and just mentions that she's heard people speak about him. Would it be possible to meet with him? They set a time, and they meet. Meeting begins in the usual way, so we're going to actually watch spiritual direction here by one who is going to do this really, really well. Father Reed welcomes Kathy. They pray for a moment, and then he prepares simply to listen. And she says, Father, I'm nervous, and part of me doesn't want to be here at all. I am here because I can't go on the way I have, and I need to talk to someone. My friend mentioned you, and so I've come. I'm glad you did. Maybe the best thing would be to describe the six weeks of prayer. Father Reed agrees. I signed up because I've always wanted to pray with the Bible, but I never knew how. The first weeks were wonderful. I liked the talks, I enjoyed the other people, and I especially loved feeling that I could pray with Scripture. The passages were alive. I felt close to God and I felt His love. I was also more patient and understanding toward others. I'd say the first three weeks were like that. So in Ignatian terms, Kathy is experiencing abundant, rich, and fruitful spiritual consolation in the first three weeks of her prayer. She continues, here's where it gets harder. The fourth week was not as warm, but it was not difficult, and I had no trouble persevering. Then we got to the fifth week, and now Father Reed senses that Kathy is now touching on a very deep and sensitive place, and so he asks her, do you want to talk about it? It's important that you go at your own pace and not force anything. Yes, I want to talk about it. That's why I'm here. I can tell you the moment that things changed. It was Friday of the fifth week, and the text was the calming of the storm. I prayed as usual, but when I got to Jesus' question, Why are you terrified, O you of little faith? I was completely unprepared for what happened. And Father Reed just continues to be silent, listening. His question opened a place in my heart that I had closed years ago, ten years ago to be exact. That's when I had the cancer. I had to have surgery, and it meant that I'd never have children. When I heard Jesus ask the disciples who were in such terrible danger, why are you afraid, something burst in me. Of course they were afraid. Of course I was afraid ten years ago. And he slept during their storm and during mine. The pain and anger I felt were more intense than I can say. And Father Reed wisely simply remained silent, listening. From that moment, the love and closeness, the sense of growth, the new willingness to help others, all of that disappeared. I stopped praying because I don't want to keep hurting. I feel like God is far away. I'm alone, angry, and in pain, and I don't know what to do. That's why I'm here. And Father Reed doesn't speak immediately, and then says, May I ask, Kathy, have you ever shared that anger and pain with the Lord? Have you ever spoken to the Lord about that? And she answers, No, I never have. Ten years ago I didn't know that you could. Now I just don't know what to do. I did get counseling years ago. My family and friends have been supportive, but I've never talked to God about it.
Back then I didn't want to, and didn't even know that I could. I would have just expressed anger and pain. I want to stop there again, too, because it may be that some of us, as we listen, will recognize something of this kind of experience, something that's there in our heart, maybe from past years and in our lives, and something that may be enveloped in a sense of, like Kathy, anger, pain, hurt, maybe a sense of shame. And Father Reed's question could surface here. Have you ever talked to the Lord about that? And you can see where all of this is going to go. What's really happening here is that Kathy is on the verge of a whole new closeness with the Lord, but she needs a good guide to help her through this. And now he asks her, would you feel free to express anger and pain to God? I didn't then. And now, can you express pain and anger to God? Anger that he didn't answer when you called and that there are consequences because he didn't? And Father Reed answers, and this is where all of this is going. Yes, Kathy, you can. Don't you think that God wants you to? That he wants you to share what is really in your heart? Isn't that how people grow closer together? Think of the Psalms, think of the book of Job, and how often the speakers in these books express what is truly in their hearts, even when it's not pretty. But because they do, things move forward in their relationship with God. Yes, Kathy, you can do that. And now she's just silent, just absorbing a new thought for her. Father Reed then says, My guess is that having talked about this here, you may find it easier to talk about it with the Lord. You could consider trying. If it doesn't feel right, I wouldn't force anything. I'll think about it. Would you be open to meeting again if I wanted that? Yes, certainly. Now it's three weeks later, and they do meet for a second time. And Kathy says, I did try to tell God exactly what is in my heart. These weeks of prayer have been the most tumultuous of my life. I am glad to be praying again, but there have been huge ups and downs. I suppose that's not surprising. No, I don't think it is. I looked at the Psalms in Job, and when I saw that the speakers feel that God has treated them unjustly, they simply say it, and very strongly, too. Yes, they do. It gave me more freedom to tell God what is in my heart and has been there for ten years. I still need more time, maybe a lot of time, but I've made a beginning, and I can pray again, and my prayer feels real. It is real, says Father Reed, and then he asks, May I ask, what is your sense of how God responds when you share this way? And now she pauses just to think for a moment and says, I think that he is present to me, that he is glad that I'm telling him what I really feel, and that somehow we grow closer when I do. You know, I never thought of it till just now, but God doesn't seem so distant anymore. Now, why does a God who loves Kathy and whom she is seeking with all of her heart to love who is growing in prayer and in living her faith more deeply, why does God permit Kathy to go through that painful experience and that sense of such distance uh, from God? And the answer is here, because now they'll be closer than they ever were before. A place, a deep, important place in her heart and in her life that was not available to the relationship now is. 
and you can see now how things are going to move forward. Father Reed says it's good to hear that, Kathy. Then she asks, What about the closeness I felt with God during the first weeks of the program before any of this happened? Was that real? Good question. Yes, Father Reed says, that was real. And it is just because it was so real that this deeper place in your heart was touched, and you can now open it to God. When it was touched, you felt a sense of desolation, of distance from God, of anger and hurt, and that was hard. It could not have been otherwise, given what happened ten years ago. But when you respond as you're doing now, that is, not running, but sharing your heart openly with God, then healing begins and your relationship with God grows. And then Kathy is silent for a moment and then just quietly says, Thank you, Father. So this is a rather substantial experience of a final form of spiritual desolation that Ignatius describes as when the soul feels, he says, as if separated from its Creator and Lord. Now, in Kathy's case, this is not happening because of any negligence on her part or any regression in her spiritual life or living her Christian life. It's happening precisely for the opposite reason, precisely because she's growing. And there's a place in her heart that God, as she gets closer to him, loves her too much ever simply to allow walled up in pain. And so it's opened as she prays. And it's tumultuous, it's painful, she's confused. Wisely, she speaks with a a competent spiritual person, gets the understanding that she needs. And now you can sense that she is on the threshold of a much deeper relationship with God than she's ever been able to have before. So if ever anyone participating with us in this conversation should feel that way, I am here and you, God, are a million miles away, then we need to know that there's no shame, no surprise, as we've said so often, be aware, identify, in this case, reject, and know that our God is Emmanuel, the God who is with us, and with us, close with his love, his power, his grace, his deep personal knowledge of us, as we read in the gospel, until the close of the age. St. Augustine says, he is nearer to me than I am to myself. He is nearer to me than I am to myself. And in the line of Paul Claudel that I've always loved, God is someone in me who is more myself than I am. God is someone in me who is more myself than I am. And it may well be that, as in Kathy's case, the experience of desolation is only the threshold of something deeper and richer in our relationship with God. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me, To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours, 
do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. What's really remarkable in this is that Father Reed is not trying to get her to examine the past wound. He's more, in a real way, trying to help her to bring it to the Lord, to identify maybe what it is, but not to necessarily give her a remedy to the psychological concerns that might arise with those deep, deep pains. Yes, he's being exactly what he is, and that is a spiritual director. Kathy tells him that, wisely, when these events first happened, she did get some counseling, and she found it helpful, and she has the support of her family and friends in this but she comes to Father Reed for something different, and this is on the, the specifically spiritual level of her relationship with the Lord. And as a good spiritual director, he doesn't just jump in with his solutions, but what he does do is help Kathy through his questions and his listening to enter more deeply into and understand more deeply how God is working with her. And that's liberation for her because now she has that deeper understanding she knows where things are, and God doesn't feel distant anymore now that she's learned that she can speak about. You know, as I'm saying this, I'm remembering many years ago speaking with a man, and this question of, of uh, dryness and prayer came up, and he told me that for the past 11 years, his well, first he just said his prayer was dry, and I must have asked him, you know, has it been like that for some time? He said, yes, for 11 years. All right, that caught my attention. That meant that something happened 11 years ago. And so I just asked, did, did something happen at that time? Yes, my little son died. And since then, prayer has been dry. Now you can see a Kathy situation here. And I remember asking him, have you ever, Father Reed's question, have you ever talked with the Lord about that? Well, no, I didn't know you could. Would you feel able to do that? I can try. And from that point on, his prayer wasn't dry anymore. You know, that that's what's happening with Kathy here. Well, before we leave this topic of spiritual desolation, I just want to review the various tools that Ignatius gives us to be able to be aware of it, identify it, and reject it. And we've gone through these piecemeal. I'll just pull them all together. Well, the first thing, if you know you're in spiritual desolation, don't make any changes to your spiritual program way you plan to pray, daily mass, 
for a retreat if you were to make it, and, and the rest of that. What you should do, Ignatius says, change how you're facing the desolation itself. Prayer of petition, calling to mind biblical verses, memories of God's fidelity, truths of the faith that will sustain you. Look at what's going on, examine it. What am I feeling? How did this begin? And then instead of fleeing into various kinds of gratification, which never resolve desolation, stand your ground, as he says, with small, courageous gestures of penance. In desolation, think about this truth. Even though I don't feel it right now because I'm in the heaviness of desolation, I know with all the certitude of faith that God is giving me all the grace that I need to get safely through this desolation without giving into it that I can do that because his grace is always with me. When you are in a time of desolation and the desolation wants you to believe that this is just going to go on and on and on, be patient, stand your ground, and call to mind and think about this truth. The desolation is never going to go on as long as it wants us to believe, and consolation is going to return much sooner than the desolation wants us to believe. When you experience spiritual desolation, call to mind that this is within God's providence. Yes, it's a work of the enemy like temptation, but God is permitting us to go through this because rich fruits come into our spiritual lives when we resist the trial of desolation. Areas of regression are healed. We simply grow and learn and grow in strength to overcome desolation, and we are rooted through the struggle in that blessed space of humility which opens us to all grace. Prepare ahead of time for desolation. We don't even have to wait for it to come. The balance. Be joyfully humble in consolation and faithfully trusting in time of desolation. Stop the snowball at the top of the mountain. When the desolation begins, the temptation first comes, that's when it's easiest to resist it. And then don't be alone with the burden. Find a wise and competent spiritual person and speak with that person. And we've talked at length about the various ways that we can do this. And then finally, if you know that there is one area where you feel most vulnerable to the enemy's discouraging lies and temptations, identify that area and use the spiritual tools to grow in strength in that area. So that's the set of tools that Ignatius offers us it's very helpful in the spiritual life if we keep those right at our spiritual fingertips. They're wonderful friends for the journey. And then the whole purpose of this teaching is realized. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives and let the oppressed go free. And that's what this is all about freedom from these discouraging tactics of the enemy, freedom from those so that we have freedom for a life of communion and love of the Lord. Father, if I could, and this would be a very sensitive place, I'd like to ask this question. We just experienced Kathy's story, and she talked, it's an experience that happened 10 years prior. What advice could you offer someone who is experiencing the suddenness of something that will seems as though it causes us, because of its nature, causes us to go instantly into desolation. And I'm speaking of maybe potentially it's the loss of a loved one. It's the loss of a job 
or there's this something that's happened to a child or whatever that circumstance is, but there's like a almost a 911 nature to it. And it's the day after and you're just that immediacy of the moment. What would you advise if it's appropriate for me to ask that in the sitting? I would say two things. One, be gentle with your own heart. Don't be ashamed that you feel that. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you that you feel that. Reverence your own heart, which is has going through a painful situation and feels it. And the second thing I would say is don't be alone with it. Find the right people with whom to speak and do that. If you are married, that first person is going to be your spouse. Maybe you do know a Father Reed or a good confessor with whom you could speak, or you have a good spiritual friend like Julie has Emily. But don't be alone with it. These things are hardest to bear when the feelings are just sort of locked up in our hearts. It doesn't mean that we speak with just anyone. We, we need to speak, but it needs to be with the right people. And I think if we do those things, we're going to get through it, because out of that sharing will come greater clarity on the steps that we need to take. Maybe a third thing, too, and maybe this should have been the first thing. Know that Jesus reverences that place of pain in your heart. One moment that means an awful lot to me is when Jesus arrives outside Lazarus' tomb, and Martha comes and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then they have that lovely conversation about, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Mary comes, and she's weeping and also says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And the gospel is the shortest verse in the gospel, Jesus wept. I don't even like to put these kinds of things into words, but just to make the point, you will never, never, ever see Jesus think less of someone because that person experiences the pain that a human heart feels in such times. And not only that, but he shares it. Before Jesus does anything else, the first thing he does is to open his heart to their pain and to share it. And his tears express that, and he's not ashamed of those tears. So can we bring this as best we're able, the first impact, it may be hard, but know that we bring this to a Jesus who is gentle and lowly of heart and asks us to bring our burdens to him and we'll find rest for our souls. Out of there, the, the other means will come with time. The situation will clarify. The further steps to be taken will appear as the journey goes along. But I think if a person does those things under the first impact, the rest of it will flow much more gently and richly do enter into those things that you mentioned just moments ago, those remedies, seeking that counsel, frequenting the sacraments, diving in the scripture, that keeping up with the practices the best you can. Those are, for all these moments that we've been speaking of, whether they may be more of a dull-like desolation or the, a raw type of desolation, whatever that is, they are always applicable, aren't they? I would say what's coming to mind as you're saying this is the Psalms, because everything the human heart can experience is there. And to use a lovely word that you've just used, in very raw form, it may well be that one or another or several of the Psalms would be good friends uh, for this. So yes, absolutely, you know, the sacraments and daily prayer 
and all the, uh, the different tools that we have in the spiritual life. But I think that will become easier. Uh, I'm thinking right now, as you said earlier, you know, it's the day after and everything is upside down and confusing and this came out of the blue and it's painful and I don't know where it's going to lead and all the rest of that. Don't be alone and know that Jesus reverences that place in your heart. And then as you do this, yes, the other steps will appear. Different ways to be accompanied in this, concrete steps to take, and it will become easier to use the spiritual means as you go forward. But I'll just say, repeat it once more, don't be alone. There is hope and there is freedom from all of that. You don't have to be stuck. That's a good thing to raise, uh, Chris. We are never called upon to be stuck in the spiritual life because it is a life, and life is never stuck. It's always moving. If any of us ever does feel like I'm stuck, you know, it's like the hamster in the cage just expending energy, but, you know, nothing is happening. And probably it's time to think of uh, Ignatius' counsel, the same counsel, don't be alone with this. You know, it's, I'm remembering as we're saying this, um, you know, as I was going through high school and beyond, it was clear to me that the Lord wanted me to become a priest, but I never said anything to anyone about it. And uh, so it was just there. And then finally one day I was with my mom and uh, we were just together driving and she just asked me, you know, what do you want to do? You'll have to make some decision here. And then for the first time I put it into words. I think I'd like to go to the seminary, which was the way I said it. And then she said the best thing she could have ever said to me. She said, well, if that's the case, I think you should speak with our pastor. So I did. And that's when everything began to move. Of course, here I am today. But that, that's the difference between we have something, in this case, it was something beautiful, a sense of a call, but it, was still, it wasn't going anywhere. And it didn't until I actually spoke to someone about it. And so if we ever do feel uh, just stuck in the spiritual life, most likely this will be the best thing we can do. Find the right, wise, and competent spiritual person and talk about it. And we're, we're exemplifying that throughout all of these conversations. That's what Father Reed is. And there there are Father Reeds around, and there are wise people in the lay state and, and uh, in all vocations. Well, it sounds like one of those wise persons in the lay state was your mama. As I say, she said the best thing she could have ever said. So grateful to her for it. Final thought on this particular part of struggles in the spiritual life. So for the past number of conversations, we've been looking at this uh, heaviness of heart on the spiritual level that Ignatius calls spiritual desolation. And I hope if anything has come through all that we've been saying, the deepest message is this. There is a way to freedom from it. God does not call us to live in captivity to these kinds of discouraging tactics of the enemy. And I hope that as we've gone through these and identified them, that it will become easier for us to identify them in our own experience and then apply the remedies. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, their nature and their remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it 
in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.